Mackey, and you've discovered the Borealis Podcast, where we talk with fascinating people who research, work in, play in, and think about the Maine outdoors. On today's episode, we're sitting down with Bob Duchesne, an expert birder and creator of the Maine Birding Trail, which is a compilation of excellent birding locations throughout the state, available online and as a book. If this were a hobby where you could learn everything you see and that was the end of it, it might get pretty boring after a while. But to be able to identify not only what they are, but where they are and where to find them and where to look and what their secrets are, and eventually what their behaviors are, uh, that continues to be fascinating well into old age. That's just ahead. Production support of Borealis is provided by The Nature Conservancy in Maine and Poland Spring and listeners like you. Thank you. Bob Duchesne is well-known in Maine's birding community, leading educational bird walks and boat rides. He writes a weekly column for the Bangor Daily News called Good Birding, and he creates videos about birding that he posts on his YouTube channel. I've known Bob for many years. I've been lucky enough to go birding with him twice, and I'd consider myself a novice birder, so I'm often asking him for advice. So I figured, why not do that on the Borealis podcast? I've known you for a long time as a birding expert, and I've even reached out to you to get you to help me to ID some birds over the years. Um, But I actually have never heard your story of how you got into birding in the first place. Oh, that is remarkable. Um, I was in first grade. My father was teaching history in Gorham, New Hampshire. And um, one spring morning, goldfinches came out of the woods and into the yard. There must have been a hundred of them. They were so yellow against that wet grass in a spring morning. And I was standing on my tippy toes to look at them outside the window. And that was it. From there on, I have been interested in birds. Wow. From quite a young age. (laughs) Oh, first grade. Yeah. And my mother, who's 93, remembers that day. So is it just about how beautiful they are over the years? I mean, what makes you love it so much and stick with it? And that's changed over the years, uh, like many people, I think. Uh, First of all, just being six years old and staring at all these bright yellow birds, what else is more yellow than that in nature? You know, that didn't take much to get me interested at that young age. Uh, And then I encountered more birds later on, of course, and that got me more interested. Um, The children's library I used to go to had mountain ash trees outside, so the cedar waxwings would just flock in there in big numbers, and I'd watch them. And and that same uh, library had a stuffed bird display. And at, I would, every time I would go in there to get a book, I would simply look at the display and say, oh, I want to see all these, even the extinct ones. <laughs> so <laughs> and so it, it sort of grew from there. Uh, like most people, you start out wanting to be able to identify everything you see. Then I wanted to identify everything I heard. Then I wanted to know where they were all hiding. <laughs> and, and it just grew from there. And, and so I just sort of knew more and more without trying. Well, it seems like a bit of a treasure hunt. Um, <laughs> are there any goals that you've tried to achieve? I know some birders go out and they try to do like a big year or they have a life list where they keep all the species that they've seen. Do you do that? I do. <laughs> I do. Um, I do the life list. Um, mm-hmm. And I blame Roger Tory Peterson for that, because when he wrote the original guides back in the 30s, he had a checklist of birds in the front uh, as terming it a life list. And so since I got that at a young age, I just started checking them off and it stuck. In the birding community, there's often 
hot topics, issues going on, um, and you write about them regularly. So I was just curious, is there anything going on these days or recently, uh, any topics you're following that you find really interesting? Oh, yeah. There's the big controversy going on right now about naming birds. And yep. perhaps you've even seen that. But uh, mm -hmm. the uh, organization in charge of uh, naming birds in English language in uh, North America is the American Association, uh, American Ornithological uh, Society. Um, and they decided recently that it was inappropriate to name birds after people, especially people who may have had a checkered past. Mm -hmm. uh, and that takes you back to colonial days and slavery and stuff like that. But there's a lot of very nice people who have birds named after them, too. And at some point, I think it's been decided, why are we still doing this, naming birds after people? This is a custom that was around 200 years ago, but we still do it. Um, and so there's going to be a big move ahead to rename all the birds, every one of them, good and bad people alike, mm -hmm. uh, who have a bird named after them. And there'll be lots of controversy about trying to remake the past or being woke or whatever. But really, why are we naming birds after people? <laughs> I know there's a, in just kind of a scientific world that happens so much. It does. Well, that was the practice. If you discovered it and documented it, you got the credit for it and you could name it whatever you wanted. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the English names. A lot of the Latin names, the, the species names also are named after people. It'll be so. interesting to see what names they come up with because these are just, well, so is it right down to the Latin name that they're talking about? Both. Yeah, they want to, oh. I think they want to rename basically everything that the Latin name, I'm, I'm not sure uh, since that's universal, uh, mm. I'm not sure how much authority they have to do that. I have to go back and look that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if people are looking to get into birding, names are one of the challenging things like learning how to identify so many birds can be daunting, I think mm -hmm. at first, um, especially if you're an adult trying to get into it and didn't start when you were in first grade. Um, and so I, curious do you have any advice for people that want to get into birding but they feel a little bit intimidated absolutely make it easy start easy just do the birds around your house and don't worry about the rest mm -hmm. and i've you know i've gotten old enough to remember okay how did i ever learn this because i'm not necessarily good at it but it was just piecemeal um i would see what i knew around the house then if i saw something i didn't know i'd identify it and add it to my list but certainly there's birds in the U.S. right now I couldn't identify, and I'm an expert. Uh, so basically start with what you see all the time. Once you get used to those, you start to pick up the additional ones you run into along the way. So if you have a house or you're up to camp or you go golfing, whatever, wherever you are, just get to know those and don't worry about the rest. And with you, um, you know, birding is more about more than just being able to identify birds because I've gone out birding with you and you knew where birds would be like the type of habitats they'd be in and at what time of year. So that's another kind of component to birding. How important is that to like, once you identify the bird to learn about the bird? Absolutely important. And that's the fun part of it. Um, if this were a hobby where you could learn everything you see and that was the end of it, it might get pretty boring after a while. But to be able to identify not only what they are, but where they are and where to find them and where to look and what their secrets are and eventually what their behaviors are, uh, that continues to be fascinating well into old age. But in general, is there something that makes for a good birding spot or does that change throughout the year? That's the fun part of it is there are so many habitats, especially in Maine, 
Maine is just so rich in different habitats. Uh, you know, we have a northern forest and a southern forest that it, they start to switch over about halfway through. Uh, once you get above Moosehead Lake, it becomes much more coniferous. You've got uh, sandy beaches in the southern part of the state and a rocky shore in the north. You've got uh, all these islands and bays and coves, uh, sand. I mean, there's just so much different habitat uh, that we are just really rich in diversity compared to other pure states. And so to document that in a birding trail was not just where are the birds, but here are all the habitats where you can go find cool stuff. Yeah. And has there been, is there like a favorite time of year for you to go birding in Maine or at least favorite too? <laughs> uh, I think everyone probably likes the spring when the birds are singing. And I certainly do. Um, and it's funny because I, I am pretty good at recognizing what I hear. So often I won't even look. It's just like listening to my old friends come back. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> uh, so spring, definitely. But the rest of the year is pretty good. Um, I I like winter. I'll go anywhere along the coast in winter and look for sea ducks and all those specialties. Uh, you get up to the Columbia Falls, Blueberry Barrens, and snow buntings can be all over at this time of year. So no matter what the season is, something's going on in Maine. So has there been a bird that's been challenging for you to find and to what lengths do you go <laughs> funny you should mention that i do keep a grudge list birds i've tried to find and failed and uh number one at the top of the list is boreal owl it uh doesn't nest that much further north it's not known to nest in maine but it's suspected it could we've got the habitat um but it's just a little further north of us in ontario and it's a tiny owl like our northern saw wet owl and i have tried multiple times to find that sucker <laughs> and no luck so far but i'm not done trying so has anything surprised you about birding um i'm sure everything has surprised me about birding i guess <laughs> what has delighted me more than anything else is probably a weird one there's been a sea change in the amount of people interested in birds and their backyard birds ever since the epidemic really the pandemic locked people at home they spent more time watching what was going on around them, I think, and or got out in the woods where they could be solitary. And more people just all of a sudden got interested in birds. And that was uh, an, a welcome change that uh, I didn't see coming. It's nice that you you find it to be a welcome change. And do you think that the in general, like what is the birding community like? Can that be intimidating to people or is it pretty welcoming? Oh, it varies, I think. But um, it, in, by and large, it's really welcoming. I think people are afraid to go along on um, warbler walks or field trips or anything because they're going to feel inadequate compared to the leaders. But the leaders are thinking just the opposite. It's like, oh, ho-hum, I've done all this before. I know everything, but I love sharing it. So mm -hmm. the more novice the person, the better it is because I can share everything. And it's exciting to share what you know and to be able to point out things other people would miss. So by all means, if you if you're ever afraid of being embarrassed by going along uh don't be because that that's what we love to do are there a lot of uh, events and workshops things like that in maine for people to tag along yeah as people have gotten more and more interested in birding the uh, festivals have come along and those have become quite popular there are now four big ones in the state uh, weekend long ones uh three along the coast and then one over in the rangeley area and they go consecutive weekends in the spring and those are pretty much filling up every year um, with new people every year. It's not the same ones over and over. So these have become quite popular and they're just extraordinary and good places to see a lot of birds 
with somebody who can point them out. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I haven't sent you a bird in a while. I'll have to fix that. Send you a fuzzy photo of a bird and see, right. if, you can, <laughs> see if you can identify yes, please it. please do. Which is funny, by the way, because identifying birds from a fuzzy photo is really challenging. Yeah. Um, because I, and that made me realize how often I'm using other clues besides visual identification to figure out what a bird is. Where's yes. it sitting? What's it doing? <laughs> I think there has been a time where you're like, well, where were you? What, what, right. like, what were the trees around you? What were, yeah, because uh, I, I just like to give you a challenge, Bob. Well, I'm up for it anytime. <laughs> awesome. You can watch Bob Duchesne's adventure birding videos, which include a lot of great humor, on his YouTube channel, which is simply his name, Bob Duchesne. Now, the last name's a bit tricky. It's spelled D-U-C-H-E-S-N-E. You can also check out his work at mainbirdingtrail.com. I'm Aislinn Sarnacki. Thanks for joining us on the Borealis Podcast. <laughs>